The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I have a very special guest with us today, Lindsay DeLong. Lindsay is an occupational therapist of 10 years, focusing on adult populations in home health, which basically means she goes to her clients' homes and is able to help them with strengthening and modifications to live a strong, healthy life in their home, which is a really unique approach that I personally love. She is the founder of Equip Me OT, an online platform on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, focusing on modifications and adaptations for maximizing safety and quality of life throughout the lifespan. On today's episode, Lindsay shares what occupational therapy is, how it can help people with chronic illness, and some of her favorite tools and home modifications to make daily activities easier. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Of course. So for those listening, Lindsay and I met on Instagram and at the end, we'll share her Instagram account, but immediately I fell in love with her page because she just has so many gadgets that are so helpful for day-to-day living, day-to-day situations and every post that you have, I'm like, oh, I could use that or I could tell so-and-so about this. So I love it. And we'll get into all of that. But would you like to answer a question from my interview deck? It would be my pleasure. (laughs) I'm always so curious. Like, what is the question today? (laughs) All right. Your question is, what is the best thing to happen to you this year? This year? Oh my gosh. What a great reflection question was we just had Easter weekend. I've had lots of wonderful things. My family went on our first out West trip. I have two young daughters. And so we felt confident taking them out West for the first time. So a little longer flight, we had our first connecting flight and we managed to get all the way to Arizona. And so that was the first time that they had been out West and just being part of that very new experience with them was just amazing. And I've been to Arizona, but only once, and it was a short trip. So we spent a full week climbing mountains and exploring cacti forests and doing all of that. And it was just really special. So being able to start traveling like that again, felt like a really big step. And with my kids now being old enough to be able to do something like that, it felt like we've entered a new phase of life. So our trip to Arizona was very special. Nice. That's awesome. My grandparents used to live there and I used to love visiting them because it was such a dry heat, which we're not used to over on the East coast. And we'd often go in the winter time. So it was also just like heat in general just felt so nice. Yeah. We're in Michigan. We went in February. So here in Michigan, it was cold and snowy. And then we arrived there and it was in the sixties and warm and sunny. But interestingly, they got rain while we were there. In fact, they got storms It knocked our electricity out at our rental home for a couple of hours, which was no big deal. 
but uh, they had storms. And so the rain produced an entire wildflower bloom while we were there. So we got to a hike through some of the national forests out there and it was just coated in yellow and purple and the flowers were coming out on the cacti. It was just incredible. So we really got such a treat while we were there. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool and unexpected pleasure. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So we're going to get into some of your favorite home modifications and tools and gadgets. But before we do that, there might be people who don't know who an occupational therapist is. What do you do? How do you help? So can we first discuss what is an OT and, and why would someone want to see one? Sure. So occupational therapist is somebody that is kind of lumped into the same category as other allied health professionals like physical therapists, speech and language pathologists, and even nursing. Sometimes we get kind of lumped into that. We work directly with individuals who either have chronic, acute, or congenital conditions that produce some sort of disability or disabling condition, whether that's temporary or permanent. And our goal and our focus is all through the lens of function. So whatever it is that you do day to day, those tasks, i.e. getting dressed, preparing a meal, caring for your family, doing your whatever work-related tasks or school-related tasks, those little tasks, we are really keyed into how your physical function, cognitive function, visual systems, all of those different systems are impacting that functional task. So we are really, really good at what we call task analysis. So we'll break down a single task into a bunch of different steps, see where the breakdowns are and see where we can intervene. For me, I specialize in adaptation and modification of those tasks. So what that looks like is bringing in a tool or a trick or some sort of modified technique in order to actually accomplish this task. So what that could look like is an individual has lost some sort of skill for being able to say, put on a jacket. They have shoulder limitations due to a surgery or an injury. And so the OT would come in and work with the individual on either adjusting the type of clothing that they choose, making modifications to their technique for donning that clothing, and even introducing tools like a dressing stick or dressing aid to be able to do the task. So it's really, really hyper-focused on those day-to-day -day functional tasks. And it's really fun for that reason. That's why I love it, because I feel like I can step in as an occupational therapist and make fairly quick impact on an individual's lived experience. And this is where I think if you are looking for somebody who can kind of support you through a downturn in your health, or if you're new to a diagnosis and you're looking at ways to kind of prepare for how you can be successful in maintaining your lifestyle, an occupational therapist can be really valuable in offering you tools and solutions to make that possible. So, you know, whether you get an OT into your life during an acute downturn, illness, surgery, injury, or if you're fortunate enough to get an OT early on in a diagnostic time, and this is more uncommon because of the way we do health in the US, and that can be a whole other podcast episode, right? But if you have the opportunity to work with an OT kind of early on in a diagnosis, we can do a lot for prevention. We can do a lot for maintenance and kind of in partnership with what you do as a physical therapist and introducing those physical activities to help improve strength, improve balance, improve endurance. And OT can then supplement that with, here's some tools that can also offer you opportunities to conserve energy, to improve your functional task performance so that you can then kind of balance those two things out depending on what your needs are. 
that's kind of a philosophical view of it, but we tend to be very practical, very pragmatic, and extremely client-focused. I give the broad tools and tips and tricks, which is so counter to how OTs function. We usually go right to the person, want to know right what their needs are. So getting these broad tips and tricks is a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but I am finding that people are brilliant about being able to take the information I provide and make it work for them. It's a cool thing to see how people are so creative of the solutions I can provide. Yeah. My favorite part about being a PT is being super nitpicky, which is the same thing that a lot of OTs do. I love OTs. I always have said, if I wasn't a PT, I'd be an OT. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love the idea of taking a task or an activity, a day-to-day thing that you need to do, break it down into those steps. And then as you mentioned, either strengthen or modify or both. And Mm -hmm. so they're all good options. And it's so important that people see an OT as early as possible with any diagnosis, but especially with MS, oftentimes my clients don't get a referral to PT unless they request it. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming you and I are on the same page about this, but the earlier you can see someone, even if you don't have any weaknesses or poor balance or anything yet, and maybe you never will, but the earlier you get evaluated for that, the sooner you can get strategies to maintain or improve Absolutely. waiting until a downfall. And, and I think this is where the health system has yet to catch up with this, but I've spoken with so many people in our, in our industry who are on the exact same page when it comes to this. It's, it's if we get the opportunity to come in early, one of the client populations, I have a, a lot of experiences with Parkinson's. And in the Parkinson's population, a lot of times immediately upon diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, there is an evaluation period to establish baselines because it's so important to understand where you're starting from so that you can identify when you've seen change. And you can see more subtle changes if you do that early on, those early interventions of of baseline evaluation. PT is much more involved in those baseline evaluations for physical function, but OT can also be important because we're going to be able to evaluate your functional skills. And sometimes the physical decline isn't observed as quickly as a, as a functional skill decline. So you may not necessarily be super aware of changing strength, but all of a sudden you'll note it functionally. You'll say, you know, I'm not noticing like really obvious reduction in, in leg strength, but I'm struggling to get up from my lower toilet. And so those functional skills and having an acute awareness and kind of turning your brain on to how functional skills can be impacted can make you even more aware of those little changes, which is so valuable to be able to communicate to your healthcare providers. Because you can say, you know, I'm not feeling weakness necessarily that I could point out, but all of a sudden this task is harder. And I do notice that. So it's just, it's really great to have that collaborative opportunity between a physical therapist and an occupational therapist early on. So you can identify those things quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say, is occupational therapy different for chronic illness versus more of an acute injury? I would say yes. And I I wonder if you would say the same for PT, you know, it's chronic illness, I think is one of the most neglected areas in our field, because there are so many people who live a decade with a chronic illness without ever seeing a professional because they were never deemed severe enough. And I think that that's an absolute travesty. When it comes to chronic illness, the perception is that a diagnosis, physical decline, all this has to reach a certain pinnacle of severity before 
we come in and, and have a, an opportunity to work with. So very often as an OT, the first time I would meet somebody with a chronic illness would be after a hip replacement or after a surgery that was scheduled. And then I find out when reading their chart, hip replacements at the top and then right underneath it, it's MS or right underneath it, they have a diagnosis of Parkinson's. And that would be the only window that this individual might have with an occupational therapist. And I would get in and I would initially treat the acute hip replacement needs. And then I would say, okay, this might look different because of your additional diagnosis of MS. And then I could go into that spiel of how we can move forward. Because with, with a chronic illness, it's less about a snapshot and more about the progression and what maybe you should be considering moving forward. We do so much more planning work with chronic illness. So with a hip replacement, we would come in and say, okay, you need your tub transfer bench. You need this thing. You need this. All of this for the next eight weeks. Boom, you're done. Discharge back to normal function. Chronic illness is totally different. It's introducing them to tips and strategies. It's making them aware of what's available on the market as far as tools. It's making them aware of what aging in place is going to look like for them with a body that has different needs over time. So it is, it's a very different process and it's, it can be a really beautiful process because it can offer a lot of hope in a time of uncertainty. And I've always thought that's one of the most important things I can do is offer people a window into how you can live a really good life with a chronic illness, because there's a hopelessness and a lot of psychological strife that can come along with these diagnoses. But there's also a lot of beautiful hope because there's a lot of people out there who want to help. And I love that part of working with the chronic illness community. They're also brilliant. I want to shout out all of your followers. I've learned more from individuals living with disabilities, living with chronic illnesses than I could from any textbook, from any class. You're all brilliant problem solvers. I bow down to your to your incredible ingenuity and problem solving because you don't have resources right away because of the way our healthcare system is is designed. So so thank you for always being incredible and gracious teachers. I always want to preface it with that because I've learned so much from them. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think too, you mentioned that hope and that also directly translates to independence too, especially Mm -hmm. when we're talking about modifications, adaptations, there's so many things that you can do or tools that you can use to help you stay or become even more independent, but without even knowing what those are, you just kind of feel stuck a lot. Yes. It's so disheartening when I find out when I I started making online content for that exact reason, I was meeting people at this after the fact point. And they said, boy, I wish I'd had this information 10 years ago. And I said, well, you should have. So I'm going to make videos about it so you can find it if you Google it. And I wanted that to be available because I think, like you say, having that independence, having that you know, for me, it's always like, what's the status of your mental and physical health? Because the two can't be uncoupled and losing independence, relying on other people to support you at certain points can be really devastating for individuals. And if we can get in and intervene that that's just a a beautiful part of the job. Yeah, definitely. So can you explain what a holistic approach to medical care is, especially, you know, in this realm of chronic illness, Parkinson's, Mm -hmm. MS, What does it look like as an OT or really for any profession to be more holistic? Mm -hmm. Being holistic in my, in my mind is always never treating in a vacuum, right? We are treating an individual who exists in a very specific environment 
and they have specific occupations. So in OT world, we call that the PEO, the person, the environment, and the occupations. We cannot tease those things apart. We cannot just treat the person. We cannot just walk in and only change the environment. And we cannot look at just the task and change the task. We have to look at all of those pieces and how they interact with one another. And that looks different for every person living in every cultural experience, living in every type of environment. And it, it's very complex. And I think that it gets hyper simplified sometimes. And maybe because I tend to take a kind of playful approach to what I do, it can look hyper simplified, but it's a very science and art approach, right? You have this science that's rooted in why we make certain choices to help people through processes. And then there's an art to being able to understand and, and work in a collaborative experience with the person and their lived experience. So that person, the environment, and the occupation, we'd like to see those things and how they interact in order to get a holistic picture of how an individual is being impacted by a disabling event, whether that, like we said, was a chronic condition, an acute condition, or something that they were born with. And once we can really sit down and have a, a good understanding of those things, then it's all about collaboration. I think a big piece of the holistic approach is understanding that it's not a top-down. It's not the medical provider sitting up here telling you what you need to do. It's a medical provider sitting right next to you, collaborating with you and listening and understanding what you need. Because what I would suggest and what you want could be two very different things. I love to bring my grandma into this because she's a great example. She has chronic, very severe essential tremors. And these tremors are limiting. They, can, they really can impact her severely. But she has found so many tips and so many strategies throughout her life to kind of modify her experience, not all of which I would recommend, <laughs> but they're her preferred techniques. And regardless of what any healthcare provider has ever told her, she will resort back to that technique that she was using. And I, as a healthcare provider and as her granddaughter, have to see that and respect it and learn about her and her chosen way of, of, of handling this experience as part of like the holistic approach to working with her. And you get a lot farther with people if you respect their choices. It's just like medical equipment. I can say, hey, you'd benefit from a shower from a shower seat. And they take one look at the shower seat we recommend, like, I'm not putting that in my house. And I'm like, okay, now we need to find out some other solutions and be ready to make that kind of collaborative effort. So I think that's kind of, that's a, the holistic approach is so big, but for me, that's what it really boils down to. Yeah, I think that's a great, great boiling down of it. I, I love that PEO because that's so, I, I have so many thoughts that just came to my mind as you were talking about this of working with clients who have good hip flexor strength seated, but not standing or standing, but not seated. And if you're only treating hip flexor strength in one of those positions, you might think they're strong when in reality, they can't functionally do so many things throughout the day. Absolutely. Or I had another client was working with them in their home and really she needed a bed rail, like something to help her get out of bed. But she was a very stylish person is a very stylish person. And she did not want anything that looked medical. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we had to research like what was practical, but also matched her style. And mm -hmm. we were able to find one and she was game, but if it looked medical, she would not have used it. That's so common. And it took me a few years of practice 
to really respect and understand that. Because I think we even come into the industry, even with the best of intentions, we still tend to fall into that trap of the hierarchy of that top-down approach of like, I know you don't like this, but it's what's best for you. And until you start really working with people and listening and taking time and getting more skilled in your treatment approach, you really find that like, you're not actually improving anybody's situation if you're not respecting and listening and doing that, that, that collaborative approach and also respecting all the aspects of somebody's lived experience. That's a great example of the hip flexors. And from an OT perspective, we'll say things like, so you are able to do the stairs at therapy, right? In outpatient therapy, and they're doing several flights of stairs at therapy, no problem. But when they come home, they have fallen three times on their entry stairs. What's the difference? Why is this? Well, it turns out the entry stairs are not as deep. And there's one little spot where there's a visual issue, you know? So like understanding context matters. You know, it's like, you can't just say, this is how we're going to get you able to do stairs, but not addressing the environmental challenges of the stairs that they're actually doing every day, (laughs) you know? And so understanding that being aware of how those different aspects impact the actual lived experience just makes you so much more likely to be able to get in and actually help somebody live a better, safer, healthier, stronger, happier life. And that's really what we're shooting for. Yeah, absolutely. I get so excited just talking about all this because I'm like, oh, I have so many other examples. Let's do it. I know, right? Yeah, let's get after we, it. We could go for hours. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So for our listeners, you probably don't know this yet because I don't think I've actually announced it anywhere, but Lindsay is actually going to be our Missing Link guest speaker next month. And I'm super excited because she's going to show us like tons of different modifications, tools, products that we can use for lots of different situations. But I wanted to do a little bit of a teaser of that now and just like a snapshot. So what I was thinking of doing is asking, what are your one or two favorite tools to use in specific situations or specific rooms? Does that sound Mm -hmm. good to you? Sounds great. All right. So let's start with the bedroom. What do you got for us there to help? There's so many things we do in a bedroom. So many. many. And the bedroom is a really important space because so many people end up not able to use their bedroom anymore. They rely on a recliner somewhere else in the house. And so I like to start in the bedroom because we can make some quick impacts with improving sleep. One of my absolute favorite things that you can use early on and just have in your home is a multi-positional wedge pillow. Not just a standard wedge. No, no, this is called a multi-positional wedge pillow. And what it can do is it has the ability to fold out and be different angles. So you can use it behind your head as a way to get slightly elevated for things like reflux, neck and shoulder pain, things like that, or core weakness to help make it easier for you to get to a seated position in bed. You can then flip it around, change the angle of it and use it to elevate your feet to reduce edema, help with swelling management, help with comfort. Be able to do things like sit with your knees slightly flexed if that's a more comfortable position for a few minutes here and then extension and work on some exercise positioning. I love a good multi-positional wedge and I cannot tell you how many times I've been grateful I purchased them for video content to make and then ended up using them ourselves. So we have used them many, many times over when my children are dealing with terrible congestion and coughs as this season has brought us. Having a multi-positional wedge that I can slide under their bed sheet, put their pillows and blankets over it, and now their heads are elevated so that they're not dealing with so much congestion. 
Um, and that works obviously with adults as well. So a good wedge pillow, about $50 on Amazon. They have a bunch of different types, but just a fantastic thing to have. And it's much more affordable. And it's a good way to understand whether your body might be one that in the future could benefit from something like a multi-positional bed, which is the next step up in a significantly more heavy investment, you know, before you go hospital bed style or my parents have one of those nice sleep number beds that has all the adjustments, but that's a couple thousand dollars to get in place. So $50, get you started, get you knowing if your body would benefit from something like that. I love that. And that sounds like it also would be easily removed as well. Mm -hmm. If you felt like, okay, you needed it to fall asleep, but now you're, you don't want it for actual sleep. I love it. So I myself broke my foot last summer and I needed to elevate during the early acute recovery process to manage swelling. There we go. We used it for about three weeks while I was in that acute phase of injury recovery and then removed it. And I, I hadn't needed it until my kids started getting sick and I needed to elevate the head of their bed while they were recovering. So just having it, remove it, take it away, put it away when you're not using it, but just having a resource like that available. And this is a great example of a preventative thing. People don't often think of purchasing a piece of equipment until they need it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes having that piece of equipment available before you need it is the best solution. And I think having a, some sort of elevating wedge is a great piece of equipment to just own. If I could recommend a piece of equipment for people to just have in their closet, have in their basement, have it in storage, because you will be incredibly grateful when you need it. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to get one after I hop off yeah, of this. I'll send you a link. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. So let's say, so we've got bedroom and then maybe we go shower or we have to brush our mm -hmm. teeth or use the toilet. What can we use in the bathroom? So I, and I'm going to, I'm not going to blow your mind with this, but I think having a properly installed grab bar in the shower is one of the best things you can do for yourself. It is not always the most feasible task because depending on your shower, there can be complicating factors. You may need to add support behind your shower. You may have small tile like I do in my own shower. And so getting around grout lines was a little tricky, but this is another example of preventative care. Put it in when it, you're not stressing about needing it. Because what often happens again, is people don't have one in place. They don't think about having one in place and then they have a fall or they have an injury or they have an exacerbation of some symptoms and they need it and they need it now. And it can take a while to get a grab bar properly installed. It can also take a while to order the pretty ones. And there are some beautiful examples of how you can get a grab bar that does not look like a piece of medical equipment. The days of the old stainless steel you know, medical office uh, grab bars is behind us. I have a beautiful vinyl coated Italian made grab bar in my own shower. It matches my, my tile. It disappears into the wall. Well, it doesn't quite disappear into the wall, but pretty close. And it has a shower head holder that mounts to it. So I can mount my shower head low for if we need to do a seated shower or for my kiddos, for example, I have it nice and low and they can take a shower at their height. We installed that as a video and I have used that grab bar every single day since it was installed. My kids use that grab bar every single day to stabilize when they get in and out of the shower. If it's there, you'll use it. So it's preventative care. The other thing is if you're building, if you're remodeling, if you're constructing, if you're doing anything where the walls are open in your bathroom, it's something called blocking, which you can put behind the walls between the studs where you just put scrap wood works great. So a two by six, for example, if you have it from former projects, putting it between the studs, documenting where you've put those 
in places that theoretically could have grab bars in the future, you'll never have to look for a stud again. You have this big area that can be drilled into so that in the future, you can easily put a grab bar in. So I think every bathroom should have grab bars. There's no excuse not to anymore. There's plenty of beautiful ones. Ponte Julio, Moen, Delta have all released beautiful hidden grab bars that look like towel racks, look like they match your finishes. It's just, it can make such an incredible difference. I really am so obnoxious with my family members when I go to visit. I'm like, have you considered a grab bar for this bathroom? <laughs> but I put my money where my mouth is. I have grab bars in all my bathrooms. Yeah. You know, now that you say that, I, I don't have grab bars, but I feel like every time I'm at a hotel room or somewhere else that does, I always use them. You're right. Like I'm always reaching for them. Yep. If we have a stabilizing point at a place where we typically lose our balance, which bathrooms and showers are one of the first places we have falls, you will use it. And it is really fascinating. Again, I broke my foot, just freak accident. I broke my foot. Man, was I glad I had grab bars in my bathrooms because I never had to skip a shower to figure out how to do it. I had everything in place that I needed. And I'm 36, you know, it's, it wasn't something I was planning for, but because it was there, I used it. Right. And I feel like some people who are listening, listening to this might be thinking, well, I don't want to use a grab bar because then that will mean that I have to use one in the future. What are your thoughts on that? I am so glad you said this because I, I kind of want to flip the question back onto you. I'll, I'll say my piece about it, but I'd love to hear your take on this as a physical therapist. There's this, there's this mantra we use in therapy all the time to motivate people. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And which is, which is valid. If you don't use muscle structure, you will lose muscle structure. But there's also something to be considered about safety, about prevention of injury from falls. You're not going to lose anything by using something to support yourself in a single short use task. So, and then having it there as a security measure, you don't have to use it. It's just there in case. So this is a conversation we have a lot about power assist recliners. So like, is it, should I have a power assist recliner or am I admitting defeat by ordering and having a power? Well, no, you don't actually have to use the power assist measure. It's just there if you need it. So, you know, I'm a big fan of having things in place as a just in case, understanding how your body reacts to certain changes in, in functional, you know, if, if you're really relying on a grab bar and not using your leg strength whatsoever to stand up from a seated position, that over time could have an impact. But if you're just using it to stabilize as you're getting in and out of the shower, the amount of physical loss that you're going to experience is negligible in correlation to the amount of risk prevention we've put into place. That's my take on it. As a PT, I open devil's advocacy in this, in this situation. <laughs> well, I completely agree. And I think that one thing we need to remind people is that when you have an assistive tool, aid, whatever it is, you don't have to use it with all of your might and all of yes. your strength. I think people see a grab bar and they assume, well, I'm going to use that. Like I'm going to put a hundred percent of my weight through that. And that's totally different than just using it for stabilization or, you know, just for just in case situation. Yeah. Proprioceptive yeah. input. That's how my kids use them to help them to like gauge their position as they're stepping over a relatively high edged tub. It's just to help build awareness of where they are in space. They're not physically relying on it. They have all the strength they need to do that transfer, 
but in that it gives me peace of mind that they're not going to lose their footing and go down and hit their head, you know? So there's that, yeah, you absolutely can temper how much you use it. Yeah. And there's research showing too, that a single point of contact. So truly just one finger touching something can tell your body where you are in space enough so that you can be more balanced. So you don't need to use it heavily if you don't, if you don't actually need that level of assistance. Absolutely. And and that's where something I get a lot of questions about suction cup grab bars and how, what my stance is on them. I'm one of the few OTs who doesn't slam the door on suction cup. And the only reason for that is I know that there is a small, but there is a reason for suction cup grab bars. And it is for that. It is for a single point of physical reference. You cannot apply your body weight force through something that is merely suction cup to the wall. It will pull off and you will fall down and we will have problems. But if you're simply needing something to guide your physical awareness of where your body is in space as a balance point, a suction cup grab bar can be very effective at that. I've used them quite a lot with chronic illness community, including Parkinson's, MS, and things like that, uh, glaucoma and things like where you need that reference point, but you don't necessarily need an immense amount of physical support. And that's where I've used those. Um, and there are certain showers where that is literally our only option. So I've, I've found ways to do it, but obviously safety measures in place if you are going to use a suction cup grab bar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's do one more. Um, let's do kitchen. Okay. Any, any favorite favorite tools, gadgets for there? I love the kitchen. I have probably 200 gadgets in my kitchen as we speak. My all-time favorite gadgets, and I'm going to list three. The first one is a an electric push-button can opener. Uh, I use Kitchen Mama as the brand I've had for years. It's battery-operated. It fits in my drawer. It's not a countertop unit, so it doesn't take up a lot of space. You set the sucker on your can, you push the button, and it opens it. And it's just magical. And the cool thing about it is it cuts the entire top off, leaving a smooth edge. So you're also at lower risk for injury because the edge is cut clean. So you can feel safe with protecting your loved ones or yourself from potential injury from a sharp edged can. So the Kitchen Mama can opener has been one of my favorites for a very long time. The next one has also been in my life for well over a decade. And that is a, mine is called the Vidalia Chopper, which was the, um, as seen on TV version of these chopping tools that you set your your item on, for example, an onion or something that you need to cut and dice it into smaller pieces. And it cuts it into nice uniform pieces with simply the slamming of the lid over the blade. Great way to conserve energy, fantastic support for arthritic or sore or weak hands. Uh, It's much safer than using a lot of knife skill if that's something that is just not, is no longer safe. Great for efficiency when you're doing meal prep. So if you're somebody who's really considering healthy diet as a way to help support your physical health, this is a great tool to have in your, I've, I've been using, it was actually given to me as a wedding gift and I don't go a week without using it multiple times. So the, the chopping tools are great. And then the third one is something called the Jiffy Twist, which is an under counter or under cabinet mount jar opener and jar opening. And I have tested probably 40 jar opening tools. And as far as tools that you can use it one-handed because it's mounted under your counter, This one is designed so smart. The couple that designed it are actually here based out of Michigan, and they considered so many factors into the process. So they've covered the blade edge that holds, that grips the lid so it doesn't tear up your edge. Um, They've they've designed it with really beautiful recycled plastic from the ocean. Um, And they just took into so many beautiful considerations. And it does. It makes light work of every size lid. I used it to open a tiny 
ointment container over the weekend that was just wedged on there too tight. I was able to shove it down into the crevice and I was able to open it. So that, those are my three kitchen tools that I use nearly daily in my own life. And I think everyone should have them. <laughs> yeah, they sound so helpful. Also, yeah. I want to point out something that a lot of people probably don't know, but you do so much testing. You don't just yeah. find one product and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is helpful. Let me share this. Like you actually do research and mm-hmm. test so many I products do. before you actually share it with people. I think that's there's a lot to say about that because it would be easy yeah. to do that. <laughs> well, I think that there's this concern with the online presence that, you know, it's just what they would consider like affiliate farming, where you're just looking to get people to click through a link to buy products. So I get paid and to disclose, I do use affiliate links. So I do receive a small commission. If an item that I share is available for affiliate, um, that's just to help kind of cover my costs. But for every 10 items I purchase to test, I usually only share two or three three would be a pretty good percentage. Um, the rest of it sits on a, on a on a dolly next to me and gets decided how I divvy it out. But yeah, I don't, I, and I take very few of them as free or and almost none as paid. So I, I do this very much. I try to keep it as high integrity as possible because I would want that for my own clients. And I would certainly want that for, for myself. I, I, it's hard to find people to trust online. And I hope that over the last three years of sharing well over 150 products that I can hopefully have that trust um, that doing it for a long time can, can garner. Absolutely. I can't even imagine how many products you must have in your house. <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah, yeah. My house is, yeah. You can see there's like a little there's a shower bench behind me. Yeah. I'm not even going to pan over because I can't, it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, also that just reminded me Let's go back to the bathroom because mm-hmm. you launched a product not long, like a month ago, maybe. Can yep. you share what that is and, and what it's used for? Yeah. So about, about a month ago, exactly. I'm actually working on my second shipment should be arriving tomorrow or the next day into Amazon. So I sell the product through Amazon. It is a long handled, flexible um, body and scalp scrubber. So it was designed with my followers They were completely involved from the beginning to the end of the process. It is made entirely out of silicone. So it is 100% sanitizable, has a nice long life expectancy. One side of the head is a soft scrub that you can use to wash your body. The other side has a scalp scrubber on it so that if you aren't able to reach above, um, say, shoulder height, but you'd like to be able to give your head a really good massage and, and shampoo it effectively, you can do so with this product. And the handle on it can be bent Um, It has a metal stainless steel core. It can be bent to any angle, depending on what it is that you need to do to reach whatever part of your body. So I'm in the process now of relaunching it with a couple of new colors, as well as we are going to be launching, hopefully by the end of the year, it takes a while to get these things into fruition, um, a lotion applicator, a lotion ointment applicator. So that would include the ability to use the same bending handle to be able to reach your back or to other tricky locations to apply lotion, as well as pain management and um, like biofreeze and things like that, those types of ointments, as well as any sort of medicated ointment. So that's in the works as well. So yeah, so Equip Me OT is my kind of personal brand. And then our product brand is EOT Wellness. So that's what we sell under and everything that we sell is available on Amazon. Awesome. Yeah. And I've seen your videos of it. It looks so practical. And again, just like something everyone could use. 
the overwhelming response, I, I, I thought in my heart that it was something that needed to exist, having worked with a lot of individuals who didn't have good shoulder range of motion over the years. And there was never an option that I could go to that was like, this is how you're going to be able to wash your hair when you can't reach over your, you can't reach to your head anymore. I had nothing. And so this was when I, when I kind of was starting to put this together, I realized like that was a bigger issue than I thought we actually sold out of our first order, which I thought would last months. It sold out in five days. So that was a great indicator that like, the, just because I was seeing the pro I was seeing the problem one at a time out in the community. I didn't have a great sense for the scope of it, but there was a lot of demand. And I was, I'm just incredibly grateful that I've had a lot of support and tons of wonderful feedback, which I'm always open to. If you see a product that you like that I'm sharing, message me, talk to me about it. Be like, Hey, I really like this, but have you ever thought of one like this? Because the cool thing about where I'm at now is that I have the resources and I have contact with these manufacturers. We can make these things exist and I can do it with the individuals who need it. And I think that's a really special partnership that I can kind of be a bridge for, which is just the coolest part of my life. Cause I never thought I'd be here. So I'm just, I'm just like glowing at the idea of being able to bring things to people that they actually need because yeah. so often the community doesn't get what they need. They get what the companies decide to make. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so powerful. And if you guys are more visual learners like me, she, Lindsay has videos for all of these on YouTube, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share your handle? So if in case Absolutely. people want to find you there. Yep. So on YouTube, you can find me under equip me OT and on Instagram, same thing, Equip Me OT. It's spelled E Q U I P M E O T. And like I said, it's my name is Lindsay. So if you ever want to get in touch with me, though, you can email me at lindsay at equipmeot.com. I'm an open book. It's me. If you if you message, you won't get a team. It's me. And I will I will try my darndest to respond to everybody. I love that. I'm so excited to have you as our Missing Link guest speaker next month. I know that there's going to be so many questions from our Missing Link members, and they're really excited to ask you them. So I'm super excited for that. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Also, one last thing, all these products and many, many, many more that Lindsay shares are linked to her Amazon page on those pages, like in her YouTube, on her Instagram yep. page. So you'll be able to find those there, right? Yes, correct. Yep. If you, the best place to find those is on my link page. There's a link tree um, in my bio on Instagram, and that is populated with all my most recent shares, as well as a link to my Amazon storefront, which has every product I can possibly link that I have shared over the last three years. Perfect. And maybe I'll even put your Amazon link in the show notes to this episode, just to make I would it... absolutely send that to you if that can be helpful. Awesome. One, one less click for people. <laughs> you know it. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you again for sharing everything with us. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you loved this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. 
Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.